Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. The Bathurst 12 Hours on RS1. On RS1. Part of the Radio Show Limited Network. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the final free practice session here at the 2024 Repcor Bathurst 12 Hours. And this is far more than a standard free practice session. We'll get into the vagaries of that with Garth Tander and Richard Crail in just a few moments' time. They joined me in our global broadcast centre about halfway down the front straight here. Let's go straight down to the pit lane and check in with our eyes and ears, which has to be, of course, Shea Adam. Hello, Shea. Hello, John. Hello, Crailsey. Hello, GT. Uh, yes, it was a bit of a traffic jam leaving the pit lane, but not every car went out as soon as the green flag flew. One of the cars that you might have just heard the door slam in the background is the number two Audi. It's uh, Ricky Feller who's behind the wheel of this one to start the session. There are new-ish Pirelli tires. It looks like they've had maybe one heat cycle through them, so a bit of a sighting lap first. But the other car of significant note to not go out at the start of the session, that would be the two-time defending race winning Sun Energy 1 Mercedes. Jules Dunant was doing a bit of fun up and down the uh, racetrack during that brief interval we had between the sessions in a car that is, uh, it, would it technically even be street legal? But phenomenal, I think, <laughs> is, is the proper term for it. Uh, Lucas Stoltz will be starting the session for Sun Energy. That was the plan. But the car is still sitting on the pit lane. They're not exactly a team that we would worry about making it into the top half of the 50% for qualifying. And that is the key point that Cheer has brought up right at the top of the show there, Garth. This is uh, another circuit safari lap with the BMW XM sitting in behind it, the black and gold sort of Duracell battery-coloured one. The XM, a phenomenal uh, piece of... Only the second ever car designed solely by BMW, BMW M. The first one, of course, being the awesome M1 uh, and those of you with long memories uh, or who've just been around a few years, uh, once seen, never forgotten. So, spot a couple of the journals that were on that Mercedes Sprinter yesterday, and their heart rate still hasn't come down from being passed by racing cars. So this session, Garth, we will be splitting the field after this session into two distinct groups for qualifying. It doesn't set where they're finishing qualifying. It sets when they go out and with whom they go out. Yeah, that's right. So uh, to minimise the traffic in qualifying itself, um, they're going to split qualifying into two separate groups. And the way that we're going to split them is the lap times or the standings at the end of this practice session, practice six, the top 50% will go, we call it the fast group, if you like. They'll qualify second. And then the slower 50% from this session will be the first cars out at uh, 12.40 local time here at Bathurst. So that's done so that um, there's not so many cars on track because we are seeing that there is a fair bit of traffic pollution for lap times. And given they're only 30-minute sessions, you, uh, you can't afford to give up a run because really 30 minutes in qualifying will really only be two runs of three laps. Um, 
in with a, allow a little bit of time for a change in between runs. So if you have too much traffic pollution, you effectively could not get a good run at all in qualifying. How long was this session then? Because we're coming down to an hour now. So it was an hour and five minutes of the, um, the top. It was scheduled for 60, 60 minutes. But um, <laughs> look, saying it's going to be 65. We like to under-promise and over-deliver over here at the Repco. <laughs> I've heard that about you, yeah. So... A bonus five minutes for you on one of the great days of the year. Qualifying day at Bathurst is always oh, great. It. it doesn't matter what race meeting it is, but when the GT3 cars are wound up to 11, they're fighting for something incredibly prestigious, sentimental, emotional, important in the Alan Simonson Pole Award, which has become a massive staple of this event. As we go, full course yellow. Now, this will be a test for the full course yellow system, which is brand new. If you're not familiar, this year we are going to implement full course yellow. If you watch Formula One, it's virtual safety car. If you watch other forms of endurance racing, it's called Code 60. There are various uh, iterations of it around the world. This is called full course yellow, which enables race control to slow the field to 80 kilometres an hour without needing to deploy the safety car and that means that all of the cars retain their relative positions around the racetrack at 80 kilometers an hour when the safe the full course yellow boards and flags are deployed they have 15 seconds mm. to reduce their speed to 80 kilometers an hour can't overtake in that in no, that 15 no, seconds no or subsequently same, yes same as per a full safety car you need to maintain your position the pits will remain open during the race under a full-course yellow system. So as we look in Motorsport Australia Race Control, James Taylor, the race director of this race now for more than a decade, calling the shots, and this is a test for that system. And that's why we had the extra five minutes. Yeah. Um, if I'd only waited and would have worked that one out <laughs> You're out only myself. a minute away from oh, the just amazing. I know. I know. <laughs> How many times has that been said to me <laughs> down through the years? And a variety of different and I think, I think that's why the 75 car probably didn't roll at the start of yeah. the session. Yeah, yeah. I was like, well, we've done this before. We don't yes. really need to be part of all this. The key thing, the, think back to when uh, you were younger and on your slot cars, on your scale X-Trick, and it, we used to have a rule if somebody went off, you stopped, and then you allowed somebody to run across the other side of the room, put the scale X-Trick on, and then you went, five, four, three, two, one, go again. So it's the same sort of thing. You are freezing the field in relative terms, obviously the time gaps between cars will look longer. They'll look like they've gone out because they're travelling slower. But actually, it should stay exactly the same. The advantage is you, generally speaking, uh, you, from a safety point of view, you, uh, you uh, neutralise the track quicker. You don't have to wait for the leader to come past start-finish line. You don't have to pack people up behind a safety car. So you neutralise the field quicker, and on the other side of it, coming out of it, you get back to green flag quicker because you can camp down to green when the leader is halfway up mountain straight. Again, you don't have to get everybody back to, and you don't have to do the wave arounds, the pass-bys, and all that. And crucially in the race, the pit lane will stay open throughout a full course yellow. To that point, though, it doesn't remove the use of a safety car and race no, control. No. The process will be full course yellow and then the race control, 
race control can deem to bring the safety car Upgrade out. Us, yeah. Unless it's a significant Im- impact or a large accident that they go straight away, right, we're going straight to safety car. So they can bypass it, but it is a way for, let's say, someone gets bunkered like the McLaren we saw at Turn 1 this morning. They will go full course yellow rather than deploying a full safety car. But we will still have safety cars in this race. It is the very much nature of this place. And full course yellows, like a safety car, can giveth and taketh away as well because um, if you go back to green flag running at the dipper relative to being halfway down Conrad Strait where you can nail the throttle and go absolutely flat out, then there's going to be some pros and cons with all of that as well. Before we go back green, let's take a little report from the pit lane. Shay Adam is seeing some pit callers. It was perfect timing because you guys mentioned the car that got stuck in the uh, sand trap, the bunker, earlier. That car has now vacated the pit lane. It is the number 25 Method Motorsport McLaren Artura GT4 in the hands of young Marcus Flack, who has taken it out. Little bit of gravel still left in the garage, but the crew is doing an admirable job to sweep up the last little vestiges of it, and it will be is shaking the car down, making sure that everything's still pointed in the right direction. But as I mentioned in the previous session, not a scratch on that beautiful McLaren livery. And it looks just as good as it did when it started practice one yesterday. Shit, Adam, down in the pit lane as we are about to go green inside race control. Motorsport Australia getting ready to do their run. Counting down to the green, and this is our global broadcast centre. Um, it's like David Stewart, whose deputy race director, was counting down to us. Yeah, he was. Exactly right. Right. He was proud of taking it. counting down to taking a shot of Richard Crail. That's what that was. It wasn't the fact that the field the legend, was going green. I, th- I think yeah. contractually we've got to say the legend. The legend that is, the legend that is correct. far more interested in the five-time great race winner yeah. sitting to my legend left. Legend that is Richard Crail. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, oh, we're green again. Yes, we are. Importantly. <laughs> Everybody so, getting back up to pace. When, so, when the, you see this in the race, that's exactly how it'll happen, by the way. Yeah, we'll we won't take a shot of the commentary box. No. But, uh, okay. no, I think every time... Every time we go green, you've got to go through the commentary box. Yeah, well, you, you'll just see me punching the air because we're going back to racing at Mount Panorama. <laughs> yeah, so the moment the full course yellow is withdrawn, the countdown will come from Motorsport Australia Race Control over Race Management Channel, which is a channel that every team must monitor. It is in the regulations and that will be then um, repeated to the drivers and then they will go back to flat out racing. It's been suggested that me, to me that the addition of the FCY board stood for full Krilzy yellow mm. because it, you know, it's hashtag blame Krilzy. Yeah, look you say that there hasn't been a safety car for a long time and then a safety car comes out just once and you get tagged with a hashtag. <laughs> Shit, Adam, we're back to green. What's going on in the pit lane? Just seeing cars that are doing brake change practice. This is the number 13 machine, the Porsche, that is being run by, well, Timo Bernhardt's team. In effect, uh, it is an, a Porsche Asia effort for the car, but it's not only the pads that they're changing, guys. It's the rotors, too, and not just the front. All four. How likely do we think we are to see that in the race? Well, what they're doing is they're matching a set of pads yeah. to the rotors, aren't so they? I'd say they just kissed in their quali brakes. Yeah. And they've taken them back off kissed again, it. not to put miles on ahead of qualifying. So just kiss them in exactly like that. Make sure they feel right. No vibrations. Um, they, they're generally always pre-bedded before you come to the circuit. But it's always nice to put a heat cycle on them before you put them in for quali just to make sure they're okay. So they would have done... You know, 
that full course yellow would have been perfect for them for a bit of break betting. Yeah. Uh, come in, whip them off, and uh, they're good for quality. Put your practice breaks back on for the remaining 50-odd minutes of this session. But... Not a bad idea to practice that, yeah. just in case. You wouldn't expect that anyone would be doing brake changes, given these cars are built to do 24 hours. Um, but you never know when things go sideways. The quicker you can get it changed, you can uh, potentially stay on the lead lap if it's a safety car and get it done then. Mm. Just had a couple of social interactions coming in at RSL underscore studio. Use the hashtag... Uh, B12HR, B12HR. About this top 50%, bottom 50%. It's half of the field. 15 cars and 15 cars. So it's not the amount of cars that are going to be out there. It's the pace of the cars that are going to be out there. You would expect, unless something goes horribly wrong, and we all get surprised, that the top 15 would be GT3 and probably GT3 cars that have a good pro in them who is going to be battling. The bottom 15 will still have some GT3 cars yeah. in it, Garth, but it's going to have other cars that make their lap time in a significantly different way. And should you find yourself in the bottom 50% and you do manage a lap time that's good enough to get yourself into the top 10 for the pole shuffle later today, you're, you're still in the game. Yeah, like, yeah. It's, only, it's only to split the cars for qualifying. The lap times will still be combined at the close of those two sessions. And like I say, if you have a drama in practice six and you find yourself in the bottom 50%, you're still fast enough to get yourself into the shootout at the end of the day. You'll be there. So... It's only, it's only splitting it up, really, just for traffic purposes. In, in the same way, beyond that, looking forward to the Pirelli shootout later on this afternoon, the battle for the Alan Simonson Pole Award, that split into top and bottom yeah. 50%. You could go out in that first group and still do a 159.8, and you're probably going to be on pole position. Mate, so you do a 59.8, you can put it in the garage, and you've yeah, got yeah. to have pole. <laughs> Absolutely. We have just seen some incredible lappery by Gilles Goudon in the... Uh, fully optimised AMG uh, that's this here this weekend. Um, it's a bit Blues Brothers, isn't it? It's uh, cop engine, cop brakes, cop tyres. Uh, uh, I'm not sure if he was wearing sunglasses, but I'm sure he didn't have a full tank of gas. <laughs> he drove past the Mercedes shop. Oh, the new Mercedes in early this year. Uh, well, I mean, he did a 56.6. Let's go right out at it. That's unbelievable. It's not in competition. It it's not a lap record, but it's just proof of what can be done. It was two and a half seconds quicker than a GT3 car to here. Just the in the first, first sector. sector. <laughs> <laughs> it was insane. He did actually bounce the car off the fence yeah. at Solomon Park. First run. On his first run. <laughs> so quite a hefty whack. Not flat there for that car, didn't he? No, I think he ended up lifting after that. Mm. But it was uh, it was oh, so good to watch, oh, the man. commitment. And the thing is such a weapon. Sounds completely different. It's got DRS on it. It's... Oh, yeah, DRS. Yes. What's that cool, seeing the <laughs> huge rear wing just flick back up into the braking areas? That's very cool. There's a few extra cubic feet of aero on that rear yeah, wing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not your yeah. standard Mercedes. AMG size either, I don't think. As we watch the National Storage Racing 888 car. Hugely successful outfit at this venue in the 1000k race. They had a role in Kenny's win a couple of years ago helping to prepare the car. They'd very much love to win it as their own entity. They're coming off the back of a very successful campaign in the Asian Le Mans series for the first time. Second in the GT class there with Prince Jeffrey. 
and a couple of wins at the final round last time as the two Manti EMA Porsches squabble over some track position. Matt Campbell, who has to be one of the favourites for pole later on today in car 912. Pole winner here in 2020. Porsche's first ever pole in a major enduro at Mount Panorama. Right, what's the bubble time, guys? Oh. What are you going to need to be in the top 15? Oh, it's Come way on, too early for that. Oh, Chat, John. 4-0. Yeah. Well, that's the point. Probably it's not better. better to be asking you after it's finished. Yeah, it needs to be in the threes. Definitely yeah, need to be. I mean, it's still early. Fastest time of this session so far is only a 4-7. But I would imagine the last 15 minutes of this practice session is uh, going and to be... How, how aggressive are you going to go? We've been talking in the break about tyre allocation. You get 12 sets of brand-new Pirelli tyres at the start of FP1. Uh, bronze drivers had one extra set yesterday, mm. but they've already had to go back. So, Garth, how... Put your team manager hat on. How aggressive are you going to go if you're a top runner and you're not in the top 15 with... 10 minutes to go. Wow, I mean, I think you're going to use one set at the end of this session and then you'll probably use that set that's done the one quali sim at the start of quali itself for the driver to get their eye in. If you're going to back your driver in to get the job done on one green tyre run in qualifying, then that's how you do it. If you're not as confident in qualifying itself, you'd probably roll two sets of green tyres to get yourself into the top 10. But uh, someone like a Gilles Gunon will probably use one set at the end of this session at some stage through this session, put two or three laps on that tyre and then save that tyre for the first run of qualifying, get a baseline on the car at 12.30 and then put a new set on there. Um, so you're not throwing continually throwing tyres at the car um, so that you will take some new tyres into the race for the late, the second half of the race where you'll want to have a new tyre mm. on the car in the second half of the race as well. So, yeah, I mean, you can get excited and get carried away and throw tyres at yeah. it now. But uh, you've got to have certainly one eye on the future and how you're going to use your tyre allocation over the course of the race. I was just looking. Um, in the past, from memory, they have given them an extra set of tyres for the shootout, but this year that's not yeah. in the regulation. Right. So you still need to pick from your allocation. But a 15-minute session, I mean, it's it's three, four laps probably yeah, to fifth, do your yeah, lap that's time. Right. So it's not going to be a massive... Even there, you'll probably start that session and not even do a representative yeah. time in the 15-minute session, just warm the car up on the used tyre and then throw a green at it for that three or four lap run. And it was interesting, I was talking to Kelvin van der Linde yesterday about the tyre and the Australian teams have found that the tyre is quite peaky and that you get you get a good gain out of the tyre but then it drops off quite a bit but the European drivers are saying no, actually the tyre just keeps getting better and better and better and better through yeah. the run so it'll be interesting to see when it comes down to it when we really want to stretch and get the most out of the tyre which how does it work here in Australia because obviously yeah. our ambient temperatures are quite high here yep. and our track temperatures are quite high so it's a little bit different to say what they would be experiencing in Europe on this tyre so that's going to be an interesting fact particularly in the shootout how the tyre comes in. Can you mitigate that a little bit with, with, with starting pressures? Yeah, with tyre pressure a little bit but the, the tyre pressure for this tyre is more window. Like, you know, you, you can get... The, the way that you bring the tyre in is a, it's more gentle than, say, car around here, you can get the tyre in within three-quarters of a lap for, yeah. for qualifying. Whereas here, the, the Pirelli seems like it takes probably one and a half laps to bring the tyre in, even with our higher ambient temperature. Uh, but, it is, but like the Euro guys are saying, it's a much wider window, whereas for us in supercars, we're used to it doing, at the peak, 6.2 kilometres, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> and then it does drop down a little bit. You lose a bit of performance. Well, remember, the race last year at the end, end of the Repco Bathurst 12 hour was Jules Gounon on a double stinted yep. set of Pirelli versus Matt Campbell on a single set of 
brand new Pirellis yeah, at yeah. the end. He went to new tyres at the end of the race, and Matt still couldn't get by. Yeah. So they Track can positions be king. 100%. And in the, the race. Tire, the tyre can last. Yeah. Because Jules was still doing twos yeah. at the end of that race in that incredible battle for the win. So, yeah, it's going to be a good talking point, as always. You'll have watched that, by the way. Oh. Once, once we, in between sessions, if, you, if you're not catching, if you weren't with us yesterday, and if you... You're saying, what do you mean, Hindoff? What are you talking about, Worm with his yesterday? There's never any coverage on Friday. We had every 12-hour session covered yesterday, plus the supports. You can go back and watch it again, and there's a lot of good stuff on there. Uh, go back and have a look at last year. Remind yourself of what's going on, broadly speaking, with the addition of the Porsche 992, of which we have a couple here this weekend, that the... BOP and the cars are broadly similar, so you'll give yourself an idea. So plenty of content to keep your mind on Bathurst, even when we don't have cars on the track, if you're away from, and you're not trackside at the moment, there's all kinds of displays going on, of course, here at the circuit. At 44 minutes still to go in this crucial sixth and final free practice session. Let's head down to the pit lane. Adam? It's a crucial session, and there's a car that is crucially not out on the track. This would be the number 702. It's the one that Paul Tracy is currently behind the wheel of, and he is behind the wheel despite the fact that it is up not only on the jacks, on the high jacks. They have a battery plugged into the car and the computer, which is never a good thing. Uh, there are cables that they have attached to the car as well, indicating that it might be some kind of a battery issue, but ooh, now the floor is going to come off and three mechanics have just scrambled underneath. Could be an alternator issue. Uh, interesting though, Paul Tracy not getting out of the car and he's not exactly a guy who enjoys sitting in a hot race car if he doesn't have to. So uh, hopefully they can get this car turned around pretty quickly and we can see the black and yellow beast out on the track before the qualifying session is done. Thanks, Shay. That car will be a contender in the feisty little invitational class as the 31-year-old Canadian from Quebec, Mickey Grenier, goes quickest at a 204.21 for National Storage Racing. So good lap. Starting to see some more representative lap times. Joel Erickson, the Swede for Phantom Global Racing in the Porsche, went second at a 204.5 on his first visit to Mount Panorama. 9.11 and 9.12, the two Manti EMA Porsches were next, but that's just changed because Matt Campbell's <laughs> just punched out a 4-1 to go quickest overall in Grello. That's the green and yellow car on screen. Runner-up last year, this is the brand-new 9.92 generation Porsche we've been talking about. So good luck from Matt to go quickest. Still not those peak numbers we've been looking at, but the field is condensing mm. top to bottom. And right now, 15th is Daniel Uncadella, and the Caltex... Group of M Racing Mercedes AMG on the outside looking in for that top and bottom 50% split Jogunon, but lots of lap time to come, and he's just completed his first lap. So 41 minutes to go in the session, a lot to play out, and just an evolution slowly in lap time as they continue to bank laps. So Matt Campbell, eight laps in this session. Grenier's seven. Ericsson for Phantom Global, five. And I think that team's been quite under the radar impressive yeah. so far in their first visit. Run out of China, Timo Bernhardt's Team 75, looking after the race team stuff behind the scenes as well, which is a really good thing. They actually they didn't have so much freight issues from a car point of view, but they arrived at the circuit and their container with the car and some of the spares were here. None of the pit lane garage infrastructure at all. So tools, other spare bits, pit walling, the lighting, everything that goes into it. So they were sitting around for a lot of Thursday waiting for that to arrive. They unfortunately missed track to town as a result, but they got it all together and they're all set up and going along nicely. That is the 
this is not just the first time at Bathurst, it's their first race as that team. And as you rightly say, Quilty, they've, they've drafted in some experience from the uh, Team of Bernard T75 team. And, I mean, what a place to, to make your debut. Uh, very high hopes for that team from Porsche Motorsport Asia Pacific. And you can tell that by the drivers that have been attached to it. Yes. Quite handy. He was chatting to Jackson Evans last night. He's in a good place in his life at the moment. Back to Australia. Still playing some international racing with Porsche. As Matt sets the first 203 of the day with a 371 in 912. So he's building up. So that was second push lap of this particular run for the young Queenslander. Mum Ange and Aunt TC who have been with his career since day one both here this weekend family watching on this great story in Australian motor racing and what he's achieved and of course a win at Daytona not a couple of weeks ago for the factory Porsche Penske team he's off to contest the full FIA World Endurance Championship this year I saw Matty at Le Mans and, and out of nine factory Porsche drivers he was the 10th so he was on garage tour duty so he got the job of showing me around the very impressive setup but he'll be on the grid there in June this year, released by the factory program. They're testing at Sebring at the moment, I think. Yeah. So they had to go, yeah, okay, we, we know how important Bathurst is to Porsche and the brand. We're going to let you go, and you tend to make a little bit of a difference there, so we'll release you for the weekend. But he'll be on track next weekend at LaSalle at Qatar for the pre-season testing for the WEC. It's called the Prologue, and that's the weekend before the opening 1812 kilometers of Qatar. Um, Do they call it the overture? Well, that, I, yes, that it should have been yeah. the overture rather than the prologue this yeah. year. We missed a musical reference there, didn't we? The WEC. <laughs> uh, 1812, by the way, because I know people are going to ask. It's capped at 10 hours. 1812, 18th of December is uh, Qatar's okay. national day. Oh, I wondered. Because that was a strange. Yes, it is. 1812 yeah. kilometers. I knew there'd be something. Just, or a Tchaikovsky fan. Who, who knew? <laughs> Here's a lap. Three-time 12-hour winner, Jules Gounon, and it puts him to the oh, top, 203. No. Six, six. I think the... Re I mean, that was lap three. Matt yep. Campbell did his on lap nine. This is not a hot session, guys, so there's no refueling through this session. So GT3 cars are really heavily affected by the weight and the fuel that you carry. Mm. So given that there's this top and bottom 50% aspect to practice six... The cars are going to continually get faster, and that's yep. why the last 10 minutes of this session will be the fastest, because the cars will be at their lightest, because you can't run the car light and keep topping up through the session. Correct. So I think that's also why the 75 car didn't roll at the start of the session, because they didn't want to have that much fuel in yeah. the car. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, they've given up seven, eight laps, effectively, at the start of this session, um, but the car's already lighter. Ooh. Whoa, this is at the top of the mountain. So, so local search, number 20. Exeter Reed Park into McPhillamy and big damage to the right rear. That was the car that was moving slowly earlier on. Yeah. This is going to bring out That's not a full course yellow, but a red yeah, flag. Red. red. And you don't have small accidents up there. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, witness marks on the road. See his How many wide, times have we seen that? Wide, wide, all right. So, Exeter the Great through Reed Park. You can see the skid marks. It's Adam Hargraves behind the wheel. A really experienced guy who's been here plenty of times in this race and others. So that's been quite a big impact 
on the run up towards McPhillamy Park. So narrow, so fast. And you get two wheels offline there and you become mm. a passenger very rapidly. Massive crowd up there on driver's right. Mm. The uh, easy ups that they put up for shade protection have been there since Monday. Yeah. People were People coming in to mark their turn. Yeah, yeah. Wow, and quite a lot of damage. Tr- the clock's still running, by the way. Please note that. So, however long this takes, and this will not be the work of a moment, the back end of that lovely chrome blue number 20 IRC car has been deranged significantly. Right rear suspension damage and potentially transaxle damage as well underneath there. But that has taken a big hit. And the even just removing that car actually... It's going to be difficult because that's not a flat toe. That's going to be no. a lift. That's yep. a rollback. At the very least, the our uh, medical car and intervention car already on the scene. Uh, thankfully, had absolutely nothing to do all day yesterday. Spoke with uh, some of the teams yesterday that work on our medical and intervention vehicle down at the Shakedown Meetup. Uh, down at the uh, Oxford last night and they were saying they'd had a very easy day yesterday, basically parked up and did nothing and that's obviously that's what we want them to do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, It was a weird day yesterday. Uh, we all walked away scratching our heads going, we're not sure what we really learned about the form guide and performance of the cars. Uh, everyone in pit lane as well was blaming everybody else for sandbagging. There was a lot of going, oh no, they're, they're running full tanks. They're not, <laughs> they're not trying for a lap time today. I oh, know that. No, we were, we were pushing on. It's great to see Adam out of the car. We, we touched on the IRC GT and similar to the Mark II racer in this car. They are designed concept, to be like a yeah. modular race car. Yeah, so the rear clip, can, clips come off. Yep. You can put new ones on. We're going to take a look at this in a second as well and try and unpick what's happened at one of the most dramatic points of the road. Yeah. So oh, four-wheel slide right over the grate, clips the wall with the right rear, and then it's broken, isn't it, already at this yeah, point? Yeah. So I think most of the damage happens a little bit further up the road here when it crosses. Oh. So it's obviously significant damage to the right rear. But then I think that's speed. I mean, that's I think, still a lot of speed. Oh, that's two, 200 plus. And then I think we have more contact across the road here. So... You don't have small accidents at the top of the mountain because we often celebrate how much we love about the speed and the commitment required. But when it goes wrong, this is shows what happens when it does go wrong. And he got on the brakes really yeah. early and locked everything yeah. up. So but he's hardly energy. scrubbed any speed off so at all there. It's the energy that goes through the car on that impact there that when you're rebuilding it, it's where you find things further up towards the front of the car yeah. that are damaged that you go, well, that didn't even make any contact with anything. But yeah. the energy that goes through the car is immense, and that's a pretty graphic example. We should the, add the, that the, these cars, John, are built to the full GT3 set of yeah. safety regulations. Correct. So in an impact scenario like that, there would be no difference to crashing a GT3 car. And you can see all the structure at the back of the car has done its job and crumpled. The expensive bit probably isn't that. It's what it will have done to the transaxle and the rear axle of that car mm. and probably the back of the chassis where that rear clip it's, bolts Yeah, on. it's how far that energy yeah. went into the main cage. So if Correct. they can still bolt it, the rear clip up to the back of the cage, then that's going to be a good outcome. You, you hope to dissipate that energy, and that is exactly what crumple zones do on your street car. Race cars, it's a little bit different, but you're hoping that some of that is going to be spread away. Looks like it might have even just... 
pop the front, pop the uh, the hood, the bonnet a little bit on its uh, hinges. So that's, again, as Garth saying, all the way through the car. Good news, and this is good news, is that the driver was able to open the door and get out. Yeah. So the bit around the driver has done its job, and that's good news for safety. So now the team will be thinking, right, so we, we know that that bit's okay. What's happened behind that? And that's what they'll be able to look. And again, remember, purpose-built racing car, they can strip all the body panels off. They'll be able to get right to the tube frame of that, Garth, and have a good, good look around and start getting the measurements on yeah, it. Yeah, well, you'll have straight. There's 30 minutes left in this session, and that car will go back to the garage, and they'll have it stripped before the end of this session. I'd say yeah, so. Yeah, they'll have most yeah. of the damage off the car before this session's ended, and obviously with a view to trying to get back out for qualifying, but more importantly for the race tomorrow. So you make that assessment pretty quickly, and you'll probably have that assessment made in the next 45 minutes, whether, yep, we can roll again today or let's get ready for tomorrow. So a little bit wide coming out of the great through Reed Park, and then that's concrete wall. There's no give there, but then it's when it swings around and makes contact with the inside wall towards McPhillamy Park where the big energy went through the car. And now all these teams in pit lane are going, well, we've lost, we're going to lose 10, 15 minutes of track time here. We've allowed fuel in the car for that 10, 15 minutes. Do we take a little bit of fuel out of the car? Because you don't need to carry it. Are you allowed to do do the laps? You're allowed to do that. No refueling. Can't put it in. Uh, All right, take it out. Loopholes. I like this. (laughs) There'll be a rule somewhere. And if I'm, because I'm just thinking full race car driver brain. Yeah, like, how do I make this car go as fast as yeah, I can? Well, I want to make it as light as possible. Yeah. So I get rid of some of the fuel that we thought we were going to need. There's there no, might be a rule that says we can't do that. There's no margin for um, extending this session either. So the time no. we've got is the time we've got. Counting down just under 31 minutes oh, to go. Full speed. Listen to this. Oh, damn me. And it, you're talking about what? Six inches wide there as he was sliding on that. Flat. Yeah, well, it's pretty, yeah, probably maybe maybe a foot wide. Yeah, but when you've got a well, it's inertia. It's so much inertia there because the cars dropped down into what we call the grate, which is the start of Reed Park, and there's so much inertia there because the car drops down the hill, and then once it gets away from you, it's like a big pendulum in the rear, and it just yeah. swings and it just drags you further and further offline. So. He's already in trouble here before we've even hit the wall. You can see that. But that's happened 200 metres prior to us taking that shot. And that breaks the rear suspension. Yeah, and then that's it. And more than likely, it's broken the rear brake line. So the pedal will go Uh, long in the rear. So you've still got front brakes, but no rear brakes. And... um, so right at this point, you are literally the passenger. You can see the front brakes are locked on. The rear wheel is still, still going. And, and then right here, you just go, I know what's coming. Here it comes. And, yeah, contact with the wall. And that's the, yeah, that's that's a good as good as you'll get for energy going through a race car when it goes wrong. And uh, we often talk about the little things that go wrong in a rebuild from a situation like this. It's because of the energy that's gone through the car. Shit. Unfortunately, the wheel guns is not a good sign. It's cars taking the wheels off because this red flag will last a little bit longer. 
longer, but I managed to walk down to T2 to get both an update on the car that crashed and the car that was already in the garage. Paul Tracy has gotten out of the 702, and unfortunately, it is a gearbox issue that requires a software update to see if they can fix it. Has an issue with downshifting that appeared at the start of the last session, and it's something that they were told, well, software update might just help. Uh, but yes, as you guys mentioned, uh, it was Adam Hargraves driving. He did get out of the sister car on his own, so that's the good news. But for that T2 crew, it's going to be a lot of work on both cars. Don't you hate it when you turn your laptop on and it tells blue you screen, it wants wind, an update? Yeah, or a blue yeah. screen. Never had blue. the race car tell me it needs an update <laughs> in the middle of a practice <laughs> <No>. session yet. <laughs> it's, it, it just underlines, doesn't it? Got a gearbox issue. Now, f at my age, you've got a gearbox issue. It means you've got to pull something out the back of the car. Now it's a, an update. Up on the top of the mountain, the... Bathurst bucket hats are yeah. going like hot cakes. They, if you're at the circuit and you haven't secured yourself one of the Repco 12-hour bucket hats yet, get it quick because they will sell out. Yeah. They have been the hot merch item this year. You can buy them online as well. There are links through the Bathurst 12-hour website. Cool merch range this year. And Harris Park is busier and bigger than it's ever been at this event. The activations have been outstanding. There it is. Look at that. But Bucket Hut, which yeah, is right. double-sided, by the way. So if you're, if you're not feeling quite so leery, yeah. you can flip it inside out. And Correct. It becomes Navy blue solid. with yeah. the logo of the Repco Bathurst 12 hours uh, on the other side. Can be worn in, uh, in several ways. Jaunty angle. Sales of those hats, second only. Oh, ah, Richard Crail merchandise sales so caps far this week. Caps and, and you, flags. You need to get in quick, otherwise they'll sell out ahead of tomorrow's race. The Richard Crail fan club. Uh, and all the proceeds going to a very, very good cause, Krillzy. So please do. In all seriousness. They are, yes. Uh, Childhood Cancer Association of South Australia are uh, the beneficiaries of... 35 cents, which is uh, very nice. Is that nice. all you're giving so, them per sale? I'm not giving them anything. Rich, come on. Like, I did tell you I was going to give you a whack about your merch. No, you did. I, yeah, I'm so not I'm responsible pre -warned, for it. Yeah, Pre-warned. No, that's fine. I appreciate it. That's good. Um, make sure you do check out Harris Park, folks, if you are at the circuit because the activations this year are next level. Um, all of the event partners are here. Ford's got a great display. There's some really cool uh, supercars in that big alley as you walk in through the main gate. Um, GMSV Australia have got a set up there. Several Corvettes on display. I covet one of those right about now. Um, food and drinks. It's a really good setup here and that's a great look over the precinct. And a reminder, of course, that this is the start of the Bathurst Superfest, Superfest, correct, which will stretch across next weekend and the first round of the Repco Supercar Championship and for 2024. Chemical Guides rides and coffee down there, so that's yeah. today. So there's several hundred very cool cars. Cars and coffees are awesome yeah. cultural thing Love that's it. going on at the moment. So uh, great to have them there. And our best friends tomorrow at 5.45am, <laughs> right next to it, the Golden Arches with McCafe uh, there. and Maccas, as you call it. Yeah. Well, they call themselves that over they here, do. don't they? Yeah. Yeah. They will be uh, our coffee provider in the Excellent. morning. Excellent. So I'm looking forward Mash to that. Cafe. Official coffee supplier of the commentary team. Yeah. Correct. Absolutely. And everybody Intravenously, here tomorrow morning I think, as well. On, on the hour, every hour. I hope, <laughs> I hope they get some shots, coffee shots lined up because they're going to be big queues there. We're 30 seconds away from resumption of activities in this all-important practice six at the Repco Bathurst 12-hour. A reminder, the top 15 from this session progress into the top 50% qualifying session that will be coming your way just after 12.40 this afternoon.
James Taylor with a career in late night radio when he retires from <laughs> race directing. Late night love songs and dedications oh, with JT. That. Correct. <laughs> and the cars are released past the Boisel watch at the end of pit lane and they'll fire up Mountain Strike. 25 minutes to go. Time to beat at the moment 2.036. Time to get into the top 15, 2.059. You can bet mm. that that will be significantly quicker by the end right. of this session. So let's reset what we think the bubble is now then because you've lost time. Lost time in burning off fuel. Lost time in how your run plan was going. So where do we think now, Garth? What do we think? Yeah, I, I thought initially you'd need to do a three to be inside the top 15, and that's, that's one and a half seconds away from where they are now, or near on two seconds away from where they are now for 15th. So maybe like a low four. It depends how much the sun and the UV is taking effect on the racetrack. 10.40 local time, so... Mm. Well, equivalent session last year. The pace was car 75 at a 2.4. And 15th, and this year's field much stronger, remember, was a 3-9. Yeah, and, but you need to different also different rule set. So you, you didn't have that same level of intensity Correct. to get yourself into that top It was 50. an aggregate. Yeah, line. that's right. So it's a different... When you compare year on year for those sorts of things, you have to take into consideration the regs. So that's uh, still a good benchmark to understand. So maybe it will be a three required. Krelzy, very quickly before we get back at the action, the Krelzy fan club merch... Where can people get it? Because they want to donate money. S search, to for, the search for Shakedown, and uh, you will find it. The Shakedown Group online. They will. They will provide. Yeah. Going search for Shakedown. Then. Jamie McEwen was asking that. Thank, Thank you, Jamie, for su for supporting it. They raised about fifteen hundred bucks for charity last night. Yeah, it was brilliant. Shakedown has did an awesome. Yeah, Brad and the rest of the guys. Always uh, good stuff. Great. Also, great source of information uh, about getting to being at this event. I know a lot of the well, RSL collective members are talking about a, in, in a all, global meet-up here next year. In all seriousness, um, Darren Curry and Grant Donaldson from the Triple One MRA Mark Carr's team donated a pair of um, paddock club tickets, oh, which no, that's are cool. as hard as hen's teeth, and they auctioned them off uh, and made 1500 bucks for it, which is an outstanding job. So well done to those guys. It's a, a great cause. Oh, on board with Kelvin van der Linde. Big entry oversteer into turn one. Yeah, just the uh, air vent leaving the corner. I don't think that's going to make any difference to the car balance. But uh, van der Linde in the car, 22. And I'd expect he's going to be the man that qualifies this car. So a bit of an indication that the team's now starting to trend towards lap speed and making sure they find themselves inside that top 15 ahead of qualifying... At 12.30 or 12.40 local time today. But it's not going to happen on this lap for van der Linde with that massive over-rotation. Killed the run up Mountain Straight. Twenty-two minutes then to go with light cloud cover at the moment. Temperature's been rising rather nicely since sunrise this morning. There was a little bit of it tried really hard to rain overnight, and what we got was a bit of low-lying fog this morning, very reminiscent of the the early hours going into Sebring on the Le Mans, which was absolutely perfect. And now we've just got a little bit of, just a bit of cover, which will be great for the track temperature, Garth. Just making that hover around about the 
Great area. Yeah, that's right. But it's it's very light cloud cover, so you're actually seeing quite a bit of UV down here on pit straight. And um, UV is the enemy of lap time, <laughs> when especially here at Bathurst. So if you can find... We used to call them quali clouds. If you can find a yeah, little yeah. cloud that comes over the track, but you'd find two or three tents instantly just with the UV going away. It's not necessarily the track temperature. It's the, the amount of UV that the surface receives. And how, how does a racetrack change if it gets resurfaced, which this place did relatively recently and goes from worn lighter grey to very dark Yeah, color. so the temperature has a much bigger effect, so the sunlight has a much bigger effect, because whenever we resurface a racetrack, and it's like whenever a road gets resurfaced, it's very black, yeah. very dark, so obviously black tarmac attracts the heat and radiates, so track temperatures versus ambient temperatures much higher when the surface is brand new, but the flip side of that is whenever a surface is brand new, you get a huge amount of grip from it. So uh, it's been a little while since Phillip, uh, since Bathurst has been resurfaced. Phillip Island here in Australia has yeah. just been redone ahead of MotoGP later in the year. And some of the GT teams that were testing down there, it was near on four seconds faster oh. at Phillip Island than what it was last year. Everyone will be so, lining up yeah, to go and get a Phillip Island. I'm sorry, mega. there's something wrong with my headset. Yeah. I thought you said four, four seconds. seconds. Yeah. yeah, it was mega fast. Well, some of the next weekend is going to be worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Then, yeah. In an 85 second lap at that place. Yeah, well. no, it's as a strong yeah. percentage per lap time, it was it's a fair increase. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's going to look like a hero for the next 12 months at the island. So, Jules Gunon is behind the wheel of car 75 and has clear racetrack in front of him. In fact, the next car in front is the number 230 Method Motorsport McLaren, which is coming down into the final corner. So, Jules needs to make the most of this. This Kelvin, and the next one, yeah, I reckon, for Gunon. Kelvin Vanderlinder has cleared all of the traffic that was in front of him. So he's got equivalent cars now in terms of lap speed in front of him. So he should be good to go. And in fact, he's just set the quickest middle sector of the session back in eighth position in car number 22. Yeah. So this is going to be our first real representative look at a lap time now since we've gone back to green flag running. Gunon's lap still not utterly spectacular building up to it. It was a 4-2. Imagine going back 10 years and saying a 4-2 is not particularly spectacular. Yeah. People would look at you like you're completely mad. What's wrong with you, Richard yeah. Crail? <laughs> it's interesting just to watch the difference in lap times in the sectors. So mm. the fastest first sector is Gunon with a 50.6. Van der Linde's just done a personal best first sector, but it's a 51-0. So four tenths Van der Linde to, the, to third with a 204-0. So we often talk a lot about how the different cars make their lap times in different ways. And the AMG Mercedes with that big torquey engine for the pull up here, up Mountain Straight. Some of the real weak aspects of the Audi has been the punch off turn one yep. and the punch out of the cutting, which are both in the first sector. Uh, so where it does make its lap time is across the top of the mountain. Van der Linde was purple on that previous lap in the first sector, 31.7. So the Merc has traditionally always been the best car in sector one. Yeah. It's yeah. got all that bottom end grunt it's talk. Yeah. It's all about talk getting up in the first sector, getting up the hill. And you can just see, I mean, the TV's not doing it justice, but we know how ridiculously steep it is to about here. And then it's all downhill, all downhill sailing. So he found a little bit there, Van der Linde. Max Martin goes up into third in the 46 BMW. That car had to sit out 10 minutes for a oh, like oh, overtaking... Oh. Are we okay? Misadventure. We're all okay. Somebody had gone up. I think it's the KTM that's in front of Fanta Linda. Certainly got a lot of orange on the car. 
Well, it's not. I think it's Philippe Fraga. He's yeah. the next car on the road in the group of M AMG. Yeah. Dropped Ooh. off the right-hand side. Pirelli's into the uh, dirt. Didn't bunker it. Three people in the commentary box just hiding behind yeah, well, the it, table. That was a really good example of how you lose all your vision when something like that happens. So Van der Linde, we were sitting next to him, and you cannot see. You cannot see through the dust at all. So you could see straight away he rolled out of it. This is a good lap to keep an eye on. Cam Waters got my attention in the first sector. Bang, to the yeah. top. 3-5. So he beat Van der Linde in the middle sector in a Merck. And he, he had clear track. He was the next car back with it. had a big gap. He had the whole of Conrad between him and the next car. Have a go at the timing screen. For those of you that got a timing screen, it's oh, all coloured. Yes. Maxime Martins on a mega first sector. This will be interesting to see what this is like off the corner. No, it went away in the middle sector. They so. weren't very happy with Triple Two, the STM car yesterday, Garth, at all. The early sessions were really hard work for them and they were floating around in the sixes and couldn't get much more out of it. So they made quite a few big changes to that car later in the day yesterday, which with the changing conditions probably weren't reflected in lap time, but they felt like the car was better. They were a bit frustrated they couldn't run in practice four because it was a bronze-only session and they're an all-pro car. They thought they were better off. They've backed that up today. They've verified that the changes have made it good, and that car now has been switched on. So Water's quickest. Maxime Martin, middle sector wasn't special for him, but there's still improvement, yeah, 2036. There's, there's big lap time in that car. Totally. <laughs> so let's head down to Shea in the pit lane. We've got 15 minutes left. Coming down to 15 minutes, Shay. Um, are we seeing new sets of sticker tyres coming out, or did people put sticker tyres on earlier? You tell me. What's going on? We are seeing the sweat marks coming out in people's T-shirts. Uh, the poker faces are starting to drop off quite a bit because there are cars that feel that they should be within that top 15 that aren't yet, and cars that feel like they should be atop of the timing sheets that also aren't up there. We've got Jordan Love behind the wheel of the 88. This Mercedes has just put on four brand-new Rallies. And a couple moments ago, we had Ross Gunn for the heart of racing. Uh, I almost said it, but I didn't. Mercedes. Ah, uh, well said. That nice. car came in bubble. again for four new Pirelli tires. So Ross went back out. He should now be on that fast lap. We've also got the Super Barn Mercedes in. That's the 47. They've just gone to stickers. And the number two Audi from the Melbourne Performance Center. They, too, have put a load of stickers on that car. And if you're wondering why we're not talking about Paul Tracy, that IRC TechWorks Motorsport Mark GT has been uh, in the pit lane for whole of this session. It is a gearbox issue that requires a software upgrade. They've lost a one or a zero somewhere. It's lying on the floor. If anybody sees it, let me know. 2034 for Kelvin Vanderlinde goes to the top now. So finally gets a clear track. That's his third push lap in this run, so they're learning as well for how qualifying is going to play out later in the day, both in main qualifying and then in the shootout later on. Hallmark Holt the second. Lee Holdsworth goes to Holt's second in the 3-5. Only seven one-hundredths behind <laughs> Kelvin Vanderlinde in the same car. Same yeah. car, so for Leroy, that's not a bad lap time. We'll be chuffed with that. So, talking about tyres, we're hearing from Shea cars starting to roll on a, on a green, green tyre or a new tyre. After that red flag, I would have put a set of tyres on the lowest kilometre used tyre that you had yeah. and give that to your to your driver so they can play their eye in ahead of then putting a green tyre on probably now with 15, 13 minutes to go so they can have a crack ride at the end. So Luke Yulden at a 205.5 is now 15th 
and therefore yeah. the last car that we're getting to the top 50% part of qualifying. But I think that's going to change with 13 minutes to go. We'll keep an eye on that for you. Great lap, Holdsworth. So Vanderlinde Holdsworth, Waters 1, 2 and 3. Martin next and Jules Gounon. One person we haven't heard from this morning is our friend and buddy Chad Nalon. And I think that's yeah. Chad arriving He's now. just arriving yeah. now. Yeah, he's he just got his jet to the airport some of and us then gets got... a helicopter to the track. There's the different airport. levels, Garth. Some of us might have merch, but some of us get private jets. Yeah. And yeah. Not Nalon... only to the race, but from home from the race as well. Chad so... Nalon is in private jet territory yeah, these yeah, days. Yeah. The rest yeah. of us fly commercial, but not, yeah. not Chad. He flies private. Some good sex time. Straight outside his back door. Yeah. I'm hearing on the way back. Gets mm. chopped straight to his back. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Some good sector times a little bit further down of cars that we may well see. Ross Gunn in the heart of racing AMG did a four earlier today yeah. in practice five. So that's a car with potential performance to get into that top 15. Three David rookies Wall, there, though, remember. True, but he did the lap time, so yeah. there's no reason to say he can't get in. David Wall as well has the potential to get the 93 Lambo into that top 15. They actually only just missed the shootout last year, the Wall Racing Squad, in the previous generation Lamborghini Huracan. That new car, they love. They say it's so much better to drive, much better balanced, easier to extract speed from, and they've just been building up to it all weekend long with David Wall, Adrian Dietz, Tony D'Alberto, and Grant Denier doing the steering. Luke Yulden. Mathis 1000 champ behind the wheel of car 44 for Valmont Racing. There now, the car that is 15th position. Yordan looking just to get himself a little bit yeah. further up the order. Yeah, I think you'd want to lay one down in personal best first sector. So Yordan on a lap here for this car just to buy a bit of safety. Another car that's certainly not in the 15 at the moment is Ricardo Feller yeah. in, in the number two Audi out of MPC. So you'd expect that that car will be someone that wanting to get themselves inside the top 50. Challenging build-up for that team. They lost a lot of time yesterday with a sensor issue in the KFC Audi. They've had to do a gearbox change overnight on that car as well. So it hasn't been smooth sailing for the car that counts Bathurst's favourite son, Brad Schumacher, among its driver lineup. Marcus Winklehock as well. Although Winklehock was very quick earlier today, as you'd yeah. expect. The guy's been here nine times, so he knows his way around Mount Panorama. This lap's gone away from Yulden. Got caught up behind the AMG GT4 Mercedes. So he'll need to reset and have another go. With just under 11 minutes left in this session. A fella on a personal best middle sector and a personal best cumulative to the end. Oh, there he oh, is. So he's going to get the same car. So rinse and repeat for both these Audis on this lap. So he goes to the outside, which will allow him to start this yeah. next lap. Yeah. Which exactly. was a smart move, but a bit of traffic pollution in there. Yeah, five eight, so no improvement. So, oh. uh, and Paul Tracy is out of the pits, is he? No, 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 still there. Sorry, Shot. thought I saw something counting I, up there. I think they're parked up. For yeah, the rest I think of it. you're right. Not going anywhere, fella? Probably the car worth following in car two. We'll, we'll keep you up to speed with him because he's the. The big name, the big entry that isn't in that 15 yet. And he has got decent clear racetrack in front of him. He's following Luke Yulden. So, yeah, I mean, Luke Yulden, Ricardo Feller, Tony Delverdo. Yep. So two Audis and the Lamborghini would be the three that are playing for that spot. The best thing is, 
for us, not necessarily for them. One of them's going to miss out. There's going to be someone disappointed at the end of this session about not yeah. making the top yeah. 50%. It's great for us because it shows how deep this field is. Well, it's not the end of the world. Like we said earlier, it's not the end of the world because you still get to go and quali, but you'll have to qualify with some of the slower GD4 cars and the invitationals. So the potential to have your lap held up like we saw for Luke Yulden and Ricardo Feller is higher in that slower 50% group. Shit, Adam's in the pit lane. I can hear more rattle gun shit. You were a little premature saying Paul Tracy was out of the pit lane, but he was rolling down it. That car is on the racetrack now. Great job to the T2 crew for getting the car back out before the end of the session so at least they can do a shakedown with 10 minutes. But, but well, when the car rolled out, there was 10 minutes to go. There's nine minutes to go now. They should actually get a few decent laps. Um, and you guys were talking about rinse, repeat, you know, put new tires on the car, go again. The fastest car in the session, Kelvin Vandalinda is still behind the wheel, came in, put new Pirellis on, it's still sitting in the garage and it's still up on the hijacks with the mechanics very slowly rotating all four of the Pirellis by hand, but they are ready to go again if need be. I have no idea why they would, uh, but the sister car, the number nine, that car was second fastest the last time I looked. That car is going again. Building up towards a very important last three or four laps with eight and a half minutes if you're just joining us. Nice timing here at the Repco Bathurst 12 hours for 2024. And this is the next, well, the, basically this is going to decide when and who with you qualify. And as we've made the point, it, it won't stop you getting pole position potentially or qualifying through to the shootout, the Pirelli shootout. But you're going to have to plan and scheme a bit more, Krilzy, if you're in that bottom 15. It's Paul Tracy on screen. So that's the IRC GT. TechWorks Motorsport back on track. Had the fortunate ability to go and see Paul racing champ car in its full pomp and 900 horsepower circumstance on the Gold Coast in the oh. early 2000s and those things were the yeah, coolest racing cars that have ever existed. Um, while that's all been going on, Jordan Love has gone quickest for Johor Motorsport, JMR Triple Eight at a 2030. Ross Gunn, 2.0325, go second. Good, Good lap for Heart of Racing. Point one behind and Vanderlinde oh. back to third. That was scary. That was nearly a plane crash, that one. <laughs> well, two AMGs coming out of the BMW M elbow. And just enough peripheral vision to stop something very nasty and very expensive happening there. We just threw Chad Nalon under a helicopter before. That would have been one yeah. at that point of the road. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So we heard from Shay saying that they've got new tyres on Kelvin van der Linde's car and they're just sitting there on the jacks rotating the tyres and they were doing the same thing for Lee Holdsworth in the team car. What they're doing there is actually trying to get a bit of heat soak into the tyre and get a bit of extra temperature in the tyre before they leave pit lane so the tyre switches on a bit more quickly. So uh, that's also a bit of pre-planning ahead of qualifying to yeah. understand how the tyre comes in. So listen to the engine and listen to the gear shifts. Coming up to Griffin Bend now. Uh, what was the number two there? Yeah, I've seen that on all the AMGs, that, that readout number two. I'm not sure not what that gear, is. It's not the gear number. So whether it's an ABS number or a traction control number, which uh, traditionally yeah. would have on the dash rather than a bigger readout like that, that I'm not so sure. That lap important too. Maro Engel, only 15th yeah. at this point. Reigning pole sitter. 
And it's in curious. I mean, the intensity level is going to go up now, which when the intensity level goes up, the potential for red flag yes. comes up. Yeah. So if you find yourself close to the bubble and the red flag comes out with five minutes to go, you won't get a crack. It's a corresponding curve, yeah, isn't it? Gets, yeah. Yeah, as the intensity comes up, so does the risk. So what's interesting is the ultimate lap time. The, 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 the ultimate lap time is a 2 or 2 four. Uh, we're a half a half a second away from that at the moment with Jordan Love, which is exactly where you thought we might be for the bubble. So this session has not picked up the pace we expected. Yeah, to. no, it hasn't. And Engel's on a lap here, which personal best first second sector, personal best second sector, but he's half a second away in the first sector and seven tenths away in the middle sector. So whilst this car's going the fastest it's gone so far in this session, it's not going as fast as we would expect it to go. But in five minutes, the time to get into that top top 50% has gone from a 5.5 five to a 4.3. Yeah, I told you it would yeah. come in. It would get, certainly come in. So Engel's going to do a lap here that will move him up, but it's not going to move him to the top or anywhere near the top. So it comes to 12th, which I wouldn't say that's super safe when you've got Brock Feeney by behind you, Ricardo Feller behind you, Picarello behind you, Tony Delberto can do a lap around here. So we saw the heroics that Brock Feeney did in this car last year. Oh, yeah. I saw Nick Perkett's name there. I was going to go, well, he could do it, but he's done a six he's not three, allowed to. which is three tenths of a second <laughs> off the maximum that time <laughs> car's allowed to do. Let's uh, quickly check in with Shay as we move into the last four minutes. Seeing a lot of cars that have already pitted and parked up, including the fastest car with Jordan Love. And that has now just changed because his sister car has pipped him for the fastest time with Brock Feeney. They're getting ready to take that car into Ross Gunn already in the garage and Kelvin Vanderland still in the garage. Jules Gunon came in a long time ago in the Sun Energy One Mercedes and has not indicated to go back out. One of the BMWs was out on the track for quite some time. I think that's the 46 that's still out there, but it was Valentino Rossi that they put back aboard. So Maxime Martin having done the lap time, the sister car has been in for a little while. That's the 32. Sheldon Vanderlander was the one who qualified that. Another great lap from Brock Feeney in a GT3 car at Mount Panorama. Lost pole by a tenth last year. Would have been a hero had it not been yeah. for that incredible lap from Mario Engel. Continuing to prove how diverse and skilled a driver he is. So the first two of the day with a 2.94, tenth quicker than Jordan Love. Triple eight cars, one and two. Yep. Well, they Chicago certainly know how to make a car go fast around Bathurst. So yes. there's no surprise there. Got good drivers in the cars. Brock was super strong last year. And now, all of a sudden, it's the number two Audi and Ricardo Fuller. Back on the bubble. Back on the bubble, exactly so. And he's he's got Picariello behind him. Alessio in that number 911. And the Manti Imacar. For Fella. very similar sector times to what we saw from Mauro Engel. So Engel's now been bumped to 13th. So there's real potential for Engel to be bumped here. Depending on what this lap is from Ricardo Feller. And this car certainly not showing the same sort of speed and performance that we are seeing from Kelvin van der Linde in the number two, 22 Audi. David Russell, of course, up to 16th position in the number 47, the silver class Superbahn Supermarket Tugardi Motorsport car. So Feller improves to 13th. Still only a 4-0. Dropped the wheel on the exit of the final corner. Maybe cost him a little bit of time, maybe a tenth or so. 
He's going again, isn't he? He's not lifted off that. Not yet. 13 cars covered by exactly one second. But you go down to David Russell, he's 1.5 oh. off his 16th. So it's incredibly close. The closest we've seen is the field compacts as we race towards qualifying. Feeney pits the national storage triple eight car. Piccarello goes to fifth. Uh, Engel to 15th. Like and That's Glenn Wood's on a merely good lap. Dave Russell's on a very good lap. Tony Delberto's on a very good lap. So not in our wildest dreams did we think that Mauro Engel was potentially going to be bumped oh, out of the top story. 50. Huge story. <laughs> He's got this lap to do it. He's still so top Engel's of the on a, He's on a personal best first sector is Engel as well. So Crozier was spot on about the 991 Gen 2 car. Still got the pace, hasn't it? Piccarello up to fifth there. That's a nice lap from Piccarello. That's a good lap from Piccarello. It shows how sharp these Euros are that they come in having never seen the place and go bang right onto the money. So good lap, 9-1-1, fifth. This is Valentino Rossi, car number 46. Uh, this time, so they've done a 3-6. I think they're safe in this one. Cam Waters going round again in triple two. Personal best cumulative lap over the first two sectors. So he's going quite well and this is Maro Engel. This is important. He might get one more shot. In fact, he will just if he needs it. This will need to be a good lap time for Maro. Personal best first, personal best second. And he goes to 12th at a 3.7. He's 0.8 away from the top spot. You'd think Not, I'm uncomfortable you'd there. You'd think you're safe. But here comes Fella, who's on his second to the end of the second sector. was very similar to Engel. Stays off the dirt this time. He stays 15th. So there's some real, some real nerves in that garage. He's got this lap because the checkered flag falls right now. So Engel... D-Russ is on a lap in 17th in car 47. He's just started. Final flyer for... Oh, the KTM Forest Elbow. While all that was happening, Garth, as well, Cam Waters did go to the top with a 202.91. 25 hundredths quicker than Brock Feeney. So that STM car has been switched on overnight. And he's genuinely very quick. Trent Harrison, the KTM, has gone off very early in the piece. Uh, so that's it. That's it. Well, the yellows would have been out at Forest Elbow, so you wouldn't have been able to improve your lap time. So Fella survives in 15th. Wow. Bastion Boos, Phantom Global, misses out 16th by 0.149 of a second. So he'll be in the bottom half of qualifying, bottom 50% and top 50% split for those sessions coming up a little bit later on this afternoon, 12.40 p.m. Australian Eastern Daylight Time. They'll be live on the screens of... Seven Fox and KO in Australia and live stream around the world. It's going to be a pretty good session. And just a reminder, Garth touched on it, John touched on it. Doesn't mean you're out of contention for the shootout. You can definitely get through. The 10 fastest cars from those two parts of qualifying will go through to the Pirelli well, that's shootout. That's where my mind went straight away. So who's going to surprise us in the slowest group? Clearly the number 13 911 Porsche. Bastian Buse was at the wheel. Oh, Harrison oh, was wide on entry. Wide. Yeah. So not just locked up and run wide. Big damage to the KDM. That now becomes a big job. That's to get That's start. not going to run in qualifying, I wouldn't imagine. I thought he was off in a strange place. I said it was early in the corner. The accident happened 80 metres further back of the hill. Yeah. So just wide on the... We call it, they used to call it rock face because there never used to be a concrete wall there. It was literally you apex on a rock face. 
and uh, the rear of the car got away from him and was... He's got damage on the right yeah, rear as so well. Maybe so we've hit even the inside earlier. Wall. Yeah, yeah, he's hit the yeah. right-hand inside wall. Yeah, it's a good pickup, And that's thrown, thrown him in. It's a, it is a game of inches. Well, let's just confirm then the results of free practice six. But Crailsey, that top ten, all in to the top 50% plus the next five. And that is that is job done for them. It was Cam Waters who did the job in the end by a tiny margin over Brock Feeney. Jamie Wincup did the time in car double eight. Heart of racing. That's an awesome performance. Ross yeah. Gunn did the time there. Basically a 3-2 to get in. And how's the margin? So 14 cars covered by exactly one second. 15 by 1.03. And if you're Joel Erickson and you're Bastian Boos right. and Jackson Evans, you missed the top 50% by 0.1 of a second just on the outside looking in. What that bottom 50% session will do, gents, is set the grid for the Invitational class and for the GT4 class. They will yep. be their qualifying positions. That's where they'll start the 21st running of the 12-hour race at Mount Panorama at 5.45 a.m. tomorrow morning. It's the, I think it's the only time in the year that I don't mind having to be at work at five o'clock in the morning. Normally, there's only one five in the day for me, and that normally would involve. What's well, a twenty-four hour race in France, isn't it? Well, about it. yeah, mm. but e even then, <laughs> yeah, a five a, a, a five for me in the evening means <laughs> some kind of foo foo drink with a an umbrella in it. That's you know, that's that's what just, I'm looking just, for. Just quickly want to point out that the bump time was a was in the three. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Who said that? Yeah. Oh, it was mentioned at the start mm -hmm. of the session. Mm -hmm. Nicely done. Yeah. I'm still not sure how much we can take from that and where we might yeah, want I to think, put that with five dollars for pole. Me for me, BMW looks really, really strong. Yeah. Mm -hmm. okay. uh, we have not seen what that BMW can do. So, I think AMGs maybe are starting to show us everything they have. But uh, the BMW has a lot more performance in it than a 3.5. Well, and the closing thought for me is depth. This yeah. field is really Surely. deep, so competitive, and the, the battle to get into the shootout is going to be properly <laughs> intense. The battle to get in the top 50% was intense. Yeah. We're going to narrow it down another five cars. It's great. That's going to be it's, cool. Have a final word from Cher Adam before we wrap up free practice six. She's down in the pit lane. See if we can speak to the fastest man really quickly. Cam, thanks for coming away from the debrief, by the way. We know you got the fastest car in that session, but is it good enough to make sure you're in the top 10 after the next one? Um, yeah, it was obviously a better session for us. We've really struggled kind of a weekend so far and uh, just trying to get the thing to handle a little bit better in a straight line. So super slow down the straights. Um, yeah, we're making progress. The car's quite nice over the top of the mountain. So we'll um, put our heads together and try and make it a little bit better. I'm not sure. I'm sure there's a few others sandbagging out there, but um, we'll see what happens in the next session. How much of that pace that you just showed is a thank you to these crew guys who are working tirelessly on your car? Oh, yeah, every time we go out, we want to rag the thing and, and try and get it up the top to repay, you know, the whole team and, and you know, Scott. And, um, yeah, so far it's been such a fun kind of campaign with the testing and, and so far this weekend with the whole team. So it's been great. We um, obviously need to get the job done in, in, uh, in quality in the race. Good luck in uh, qualifying later on, and hopefully we see you in the shootout. Cam Waters out of the number 222 STM Mercedes. Sure, Adam was down in the pit lane. Garth Tander and Richard Crail in the Global Broadcast Centre with me, John Heintoff. And uh, Jet Rangering in 
Uh, we'll have Chad Nerland for the next session. As soon as that gets parked out the back, uh, he'll be uh, talking to you later on. Thanks to our intrepid camera operators and, of course, to all the marshals and recovery vehicles uh, who've, and recovery crews who had a little bit more to do in that session. Don't go too far away, whether you're trackside or further afield. We've still got the battle for pole to come. Who's in the top ten? And then who wins the Pirelli shootout for the Alan Simonson Trophy? That's all still happening here on Super Saturday for the Repco Bathurst 12 Hours. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.